Welcome to Everything Yesterday This Morning, a 15 to 20 minute daily recap of headlines you may have missed. Come for the news, stay for the snarky commentary. Good morning and welcome to Tuesday's edition of Everything Yesterday This Morning. I am your host, literally Heather. Since falling into the hands of the Taliban, some of the weapons have been seized from militants in Indian-controlled Kashmir. Authorities in Indian-controlled Kashmir tell NBC News that militants trying to annex the region for Pakistan are carrying M4s, M16s, and other U.S.-made arms and ammunition that have rarely been seen in the 30-year conflict. A major reason, they say, is a regional flood of U.S.-funded weapons that fell into the hands of the Taliban when U.S.-led NATO forces withdrew from Afghanistan in 2021. Most of the weapons recovered so far, officials say, are from Jaish-e-Mohammed, or J-E-M, or Lashkar-e-Taiba, which is L-E-T, both Pakistan-based militant groups that the U.S. designates as terrorist organizations. In a Twitter post last year, for example, police said they had seized an M4 carbine assault rifle after a gunfight that killed two militants from JEM. Militants from both groups have been sent to Afghanistan to fight alongside or train the Taliban before the U.S. withdrawal. Kashmir, a Himalayan region known for its beautiful landscapes, shares borders with India, Pakistan, Afghanistan, and China. A separatist insurgency in the part of Kashmir, controlled by India, has killed tens of thousands of people since the 90s and has been a constant source of tension between nuclear powers, India, and Pakistan, because that's just what we need is more tension between nuclear powers. More than $7.1 billion in U.S.-funded military equipment was in the possession of the Afghan government when it fell to the Taliban in 2021 amid the withdrawal. According to a Defense Department report published last August, though more than half of it was ground vehicles, it also included more than 316,000 weapons, worth almost $512 million, plus ammunition and other accessories. But, you know, you can't have that pistol brace on your gun. We are free to leave millions of dollars of weapons strewn about, to make it into the hands of whomever. But you, free man, must register or relinquish your pistol brace. The militant groups JEM and LET could be buying U.S. weapons from the Taliban in Afghanistan. Or Ukraine, maybe? Where the United Nations say both groups have bases or through smugglers in Pakistan. Beyond weapons, the Taliban's victory in Afghanistan gave an ideological boost to radical militants in Kashmir and elsewhere. I predict that we will see another vacuum-type rise of a group like ISIS as a result of our abysmal withdrawal from Afghanistan. Perhaps that's what we could be seeing here. Okay, so this has quite a few numbers in it, but I think they're telling and should at least be shared. Americans now say that a lack of leadership from President Biden and the Congress is the country's biggest problem, outpacing inflation, 
the immigration crisis, and the state of the economy, according to a poll released on Monday. Despite Americans getting socked in the wallet, the government and poor leadership took over the number one spot from inflation over the past year, with 21% of Americans naming it as the most important problem facing this country today compared to the 15% who said so last year. Inflation and the economy came in last year as the top two issues, tied at 16% each, followed by the government at 15%, immigration at 8 and unifying the country at 6%. Over the past year, Americans' concerns with the economy fell 6 percentage points to 10%. And I wonder, do you think that it fell because... They have more faith and confidence in the economy? Or do you think it fell because they lowered their expectations and they're like, well, this already sucks. So what else can I complain about? Inflation fell 1.0 to 15%, and immigration rose 3 points to 11%. Americans' outlook appear- appears to have tracked the cooling rate of inflation, which fell from 7.5% last January to 6.5% in December. I'm sorry, that's not what my pocketbook says every time I go to the grocery store. According to the most recent numbers, the poll was conducted between January 2nd and January 22nd, when the discovery of classified documents at Biden, President Biden's Delaware home and the U.S. House of Representatives' prolonged vote on electing Rep. Kevin McCarthy as the House Speaker dominated the headlines. But the poll pointed out that the approval ratings for Biden, which were at 41%, and Congress at 21%, remain basically unchanged over the past year. Republicans believe the government and poor leadership is more of a problem at 24% than Democrats at 18%. Republicans pick inflation and the economy both at 18% as the second most pressing problem, followed by the economy at 11%, declines in morality, ethics, and the family at 6%, and the federal budget deficit at 5%. Democrats go with inflation at 11%, and then the economy at 9%, race relations at 9%, unifying the country at 8%, and the environment at 6 very interesting in those lower numbers, the huge, I mean, just massive gap between where one side is and the other. And while Americans might be worried about the government, the economy doesn't get a pass. 45% rate the economy as poor, 38% as only fair, and 15% say good. Only 2% say that it's excellent. Who are those 2%? I just gotta know. Percentages that are only incrementally better than last year, but 72% when asked about the job market, 64% say this is a good time. I believe the economy is going to get worse. 22% think that it will get better. When asked about the job market, I'm sorry, I apologize. When asked about the job market, 64% say that this is a good time to find a quality job compared to 33% who say it's a bad time. Last year, 62% said that it was a good time, and 35% said that it was a bad time. 
Now, in a surprise that no one could see coming, the Justice Department told Chairman of the House Judiciary Committee that it just cannot comply with his request to access information related to the federal investigation into Joe Biden's retention of classified documents from his time as vice president. In a letter to Republican Rep. Jim Jordan of Ohio, Assistant Attorney General Carlos Uriarte wrote that the department rules and norms surrounding ongoing investigations prevent it from further disclosure. The department's longstanding policy is to maintain the confidentiality of such information regarding open matters. Is that why you guys spend so much time talking to and hanging out with the New York Times to leak information out? Because you have a long-standing policy of maintaining confidentiality? Uh, Disclosing non-public information about ongoing investigations could violate statutory requirements or court orders, reveal roadmaps of our investigations, and interfere with the department's ability to gather facts, interview witnesses, and bring criminals I'm sorry, criminal prosecutions where warranted. Uriarte's letter to Jordan also expressed concern that sharing information about ongoing investigations with Congress might risk the appearance that Congress could be attempting to influence department decisions in certain cases. It's concerning, to say the least, that the department is more interested in playing politics than cooperating said Judiciary Committee spokesman Russell Dye. This whole situation, I mean, I can't imagine that you expected them to be compliant because the entire Department of Justice has been politicized at this point. But the notion that you want to come out on this high horse and be like, disclosing non-public information is just not what we do. That is what you guys do all the time. (laughs) Ah, don't lie. Okay, in the wake of a drone strike against at least one defense factory in the central city of Isfahan, Iranian officials told uh, Newsweek that any military option pursued by the United States against the Islamic Republic would result in all-out conflict with region-wide ramifications. While the U.S. military has denied any role in the attack that took place late Saturday, Unnamed U.S. officials cited in major outlets such as the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times. Again, there we go with uh, we we like to keep things private. Have placed blame on Israel, a U.S. ally in Iran's top foe, which has neither accepted nor denied their involvement. No other entity has come forward with claims of responsibility. Now, Is this denied like we deny we're using social media to spy on and silence Americans? Or is this CISA operating websites all over international territories to manipulate foreign citizens' denial? I just want to make sure I understand which kind of denial we're working with here. Uh, President Joe Biden halting efforts to revive participation in the 2015 nuclear deal known as the JCPOA. Administration officials, including Secretary of State Antony Blinken, have asserted that every option remains on the table in ensuring that Tehran could not produce a nuclear weapon. Iranian officials, who have consistently denied pursuing such a weapon of mass destruction, 
have warned that any military action the U.S. takes would spark a far larger escalation between the two powers. In Iran's perspective, the use of military option at any level means U.S. entry into war. Iran's permanent mission to the United Nations uh, told Newsweek. For now, the mission noted, Iran considers such a possibility to be weak. Uh, But the mission also stated that if the United States miscalculates and starts a war, that the consequences for the region and the world of such a conflict would be up to Washington. In the event of such a development, the mission asserted that there is no doubt that Iran possesses the capability to defend its security and interests. Following efforts by the enemies of Iran's nation to aiming to make Iran insecure in recent months, this cowardly act has been taken today. Amir Abdelhanian told reporters, Our country's security will act with maximum potency to provide national security in the country, and such actions must not affect the will and intention of our experts to progress in the field of peaceful nuclear plans. Reached for a comment, a Pentagon spokesperson told Newsweek, We've seen the press reports, but can confirm that no U.S. military forces have conducted strikes or operations inside of Iran. Trust us. We're here to tell the truth. Okay, now don't get me wrong. I would love to see the mullahs in Iran run into some serious trouble. And if it's at our hands, so be it. Realistically, though, I really wish we would just really keep our nose out of other countries' business and focus on making this country a better place. I'm not going to say make America great again or anything crazy like that. But like, if we put the same amount of energy and effort into building our country into a powerhouse, oh man, the possibilities are endless. A federal judge on Monday blocked New Jersey's recently enacted bans on carrying guns at beaches or casinos, though she left in place other restrictions passed by the state in the wake of a U.S. Supreme Court ruling last year called New York v. Bruin expanding gun rights nationwide. Every time I see one of these, I'm like, another one bites the dust. Another one gone and another one gone. I know you guys love me singing to you on my morning show, but um, the order from U.S. District Judge Renee Marie Bum in Camden, New Jersey, came in response to a lawsuit brought by seven people and the Association of New Jersey Rifle and Pistol Clubs challenging parts of a law signed by Democratic New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy in December. Quote, This marks the beginning of the end for Governor Murphy's blatantly unconstitutional new carry law, which is going down in flames, says Scott Bach, Executive Director of the Association. We look forward to being able to appeal the ruling and are confident that it will be reversed, said Tyler Jones, a spokesperson for Murphy. Bum, three weeks ago, blocked other parts of the law in a similar lawsuit brought by different plaintiffs. Those measures included bans on carrying guns in public libraries, museums, bars, restaurants, and on private property without the owner's explicit permission, as well as transporting loaded guns in vehicles. (sighs) You tyrants can keep coming, keep trying. We will not relinquish our natural-born rights to keep and bear arms. Call it a check and balance, 
and y'all are looking pretty off balance right now. Get your act together. The Treasury Department said Monday that it plans to increase its borrowing during the first three months of 2023, even as the federal government is bumping up against a $31.4 trillion uh, limit on its legal borrowing authority. The U.S. plans to borrow $932 billion during the January to March quarter. This is $353 billion more than projected last October due to a lower beginning of quarter cash balance and projections of lower than expected income tax receipts and higher spending. Ooh, that's why they hired those 87,000 IRS agents. The increased borrowing will take place as Democrats and the White House push for Congress to increase the federal debt limit. President Joe Biden wants the cap raised without any preconditions. The new House Republican majority is seeking to secure spending cuts in exchange for a debt limit increase. Treasury officials say the debate is over. The debt ceiling poses a risk to the U.S. financial position. Even just the threat that the U.S. government might fail to meet its obligations may cause severe harm to the economy by eroding household and business confidence, injecting volatility into financial markets and raising the cost of capital, among other negative impacts. Ben Harris, Treasury's Assistant Secretary for Economic Policy, said in a statement. My BFF Janet Yellen, in a letter to congressional leaders earlier this month, said the department has begun resorting to extraordinary measures to avoid a federal government default. She said it's critical that Congress act in a timely manner to raise or suspend the debt limit. In a letter to House and Senate leaders, she said her actions will buy time until Congress can pass legislation that will either raise the nation's borrowing authority or suspend the limit for a period of time. She said it's highly unlikely that cash and extraordinary measures will be exhausted before early June. New House Speaker Kevin McCarthy will meet with Biden at the White House this week to discuss the debt limit. McCarthy told CBS on Sunday, I want to sit down together, work on an agreement, that we can move forward to put us on a path to balance and at the same time, not put any of our debt in jeopardy at the same time, at the same time, at the same time. Sound like I'm doing a Kamala Harris speech at this point. Okay. (laughs) For all the talk of life getting back to normal, school hasn't been the same in years. Three years since the coronavirus pandemic shut down schools across the United States, students have experienced one disruption after another. A COVID outbreak here, a flood there, an ice storm, hurricane, a tornado over there, community events, school-related violence, even water system breakdowns have disrupted class. New research published Monday in the Journal of Nature Human Behavior concludes that the combination of pandemic-related school closures, the shift to virtual learning where it was even an option, And the mental health toll on students set kids back by about a third of a year. The analysis concluded as much based on a review of 42 other studies conducted in 15 countries. Nearly all the world's student population experienced school closures because of COVID. 
I particularly love this attempt to blame so many other things for being the problem. So despite billions of dollars pouring into schools to make up for lost time, the gap hasn't closed substantially over time, though it hasn't gotten worse either. Researchers concluded students' math skills took a bigger dive than reading. Meanwhile, kids from lower-income families and countries fared the worst. We don't see a clear pattern for this deficit being recovered, said lead author Bastian Betthauser of Sciences Po in Paris. That's certainly concerning. One solution has been high-quality summer school to keep kids reading and doing math. More school districts are turning to summer school offerings since the pandemic, Rand Corporation found in a survey. Kids have to attend regularly, and the programs need to last long enough to make a difference. However, and many school systems aren't considering, what really works when they set up their summer classes. While school and teachers were showered with blame for shifting to virtual classes during the pandemic for months on end, and off and on for a while after that, now it may be on parents to realize that the kids are not all right. That means getting them to summer school (laughs) after uh, academic programs after school and added school days, and not assuming good grades means students don't have room for improvement. There are these national surveys that are suggesting that parents think things are more or less back on track, researcher Dan Goldhaber recently told the education outlet The 74. I think there's good evidence that kids are not yet back on track. So we've got what I would say an urgency gap. There's no time to waste, Bethauser said. I definitely think there's hope for policies to recover learning. We just have to do it, he said. If the United States and other countries don't invest in the right solutions and fast and make sure students participate, I'm not sure whether we're going to be able to completely catch up these learning deficits that we're seeing. This is potentially going to be a big problem for this generation. Where was this energy when you were sending kids home arbitrarily due to quote-unquote exposure and forcing them to wear bacteria diapers on their faces? Oh, that's right. You told us to trust the science while you were calling DHS hotlines to report parents for telling you that you guys were destroying children's futures so that they could go on Merrick Garland's watch list for domestic terrorists. The irony? Those red states full of inbred hicks that you affluent high society types enjoy making fun of stayed open and allowed their children to stay in school and are going to be further ahead and likely more successful in the coming years than the uh, districts and areas that closed down. I have zero respect and nothing but disdain for anyone who condoned the actions of local health departments and school boards and did not have children's futures first most in mind and interest when making recommendations and decisions during the pandemic, and I certainly don't have any time, respect, or energy for you to come to me now and say, parents, you need to do your part. We were doing our part when you were trying to lock our kids up. That is your Tuesday edition. I get all mama bear mode on this one. (laughs) That's your Tuesday edition of everything yesterday this morning. I love you guys. I hope you have a great Tuesday and I will see you tomorrow.
If you like today's show, be sure to subscribe and turn on notifications so you never miss an episode. Also, please don't forget to check out shouseinthehouse.com and never forget that free men do not need permission from any government. Have a great day.